If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm chapter 111. We're going to continue this series, the Songbook of Jesus. And we talked a lot about um, application of these scriptures and how Jesus used the Psalms in his own personal life. And so this Psalm is so, uh, there's so many different aspects to it. And so I'm going to tell you a story first. And this is easily uh, Pastor Mark's joke. Just so I did not find it, I did not write it, but I'm going to share it with you anyways. So, two young newlyweds were preparing to enjoy their first baked ham dinner in their new apartment. After unwrapping the meal and setting it on the cutting board, the wife chopped off both ends of the ham with a knife and tossed it, tossed it, tossed the two small ends into the garbage can. Well, wait a minute, the mystified husband said. Why do you do that? Why don't you just cut off the ends of the ham and throw them away? I don't really know. My mom always did it that way. Maybe it'll help the flavor. (laughs) Unsatisfied with the answer, the husband called to the mother-in-law. Can you tell me why you always cut off the ends of the ham before you cook it? Well, said the mother, I'm not really sure why. That's just the way my mother did her ham, and it was always delicious. As soon as he hung up with his wife's uh, mom, he called the wife's grandmother. Grandma, (laughs) we have a very important question for you. Can you tell us why you cut off the ends of the ham before you cooked it? said, oh, yes, my dear, answered the grandma in her quiet voice. I cut the ends off the ham because it wouldn't fit in my pan. And the simple fact is traditions shape our lives. So much of what we do, whether it's Christmas, birthdays, anniversaries, traditions shape our lives. Because we've always done it really doesn't truly hold water to holding the meaning behind why we do certain things. And Worship of God can also be the same way. It can become stale. We can go through the motions. And I think that's one of the things that I'm actually really grateful for in this pandemic is because so many of the things that we've held on to and held on tight as really important traditions have been ripped away, have been shaken. And all of a sudden, we have to take a step back and go, well, why were we doing this to begin with, first of all? But then second of all, Are those things even important? What are those true things that I do not want to get rid of? What are those things that are becoming important? And as we talk about Psalm 111 this morning, what we need to understand, the praise of God is one of those things that is important. And it can very easily become stale, but it is a tradition. It is something that we are commanded to do, and it's throughout the entire Word of God that we can't afford to become stale. We can't afford to let it go. In John 424, Jesus urges us, to worship in spirit and in truth. And if our worship seems lifeless and dull, perhaps we're just simply going through the emotions of religiosity, of religious tradition, but we've lost the purpose and the meaning behind what we're doing. We've lost hold of the who the God that we are truly worshiping and serving even is. Psalm 111 is a psalm that will keep us, will help us see some of the elements of real worship. Psalm 111 and 112 are actually twin psalms. Psalm 111 talks about the good of how good God is. And Psalms 112 talks about how that applies to how we live. Both are also acrostic psalm. Each verse actually begins with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And I believe God preserved these. He put these in his word to help us understand the purpose of worship and also the importance of worship. Like the worshiping and praising God cannot be something that is just a little side thing if we have time on our way to work, this, that little thing we do if we have time. Or, well, it's praise and worship time at church, so that's the time I go to the bathroom. Or that's the time I get a cup of coffee. Or I'll come in right before service. Like praise is a huge, important element 
of being a disciple of Jesus. Like, this is something we don't need to overlook. This is not something that we need to put to the side. Praise is a huge aspect of what it means to follow Jesus, to be a disciple of Christ. So let's read Psalm 111 together. Psalm 111 starts this way, verse 1. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. In the company of the upright and in the the assembly. I'm sorry, again, no PowerPoint. I guess you're just going to have to use one of these. So, verse 2. Great are the works of the Lord. They are studied by all who delight in them. Splendid and majestic is His works. And His righteousness endures forever. He has made His wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He has given food to those who fear Him. He will remember His covenant forever. He has made known to His people the power of His works in giving them the heritage of the nations. The works of His hands are truth and justice, and His precepts are sure. They are upheld forever and ever. They are performed in truth and uprightness. He has sent redemption to His people. He has ordained His covenant forever. Holy and awesome is His name. Like When you read through that list, like this is the God we serve. This is the God that we're coming to talk about this morning. This is the God that He says when two or more are gathered, I am in their midst. This is the God in whom me and you serve. This is the God who died on a cross 2,000 years ago for mine and your salvation. This is the God worthy of all of our praise, our admonition, our worship, our honoring, our entire lives. He is worthy because this is who He is. And the last verse, verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do His commands. His praise endures forever. Heavenly Father, as we take time this morning, God, I pray that you will reveal yourself and reveal to us the importance of praising your name, of worshiping your name, Lord God, because you are worthy. You are a God who is who's worthy of all of our praise, all of the honor and all of the glory that we could ever come up with. And God, I pray this morning that you will show yourself to us and make us more like your son, Jesus. We love you. We thank you, God. We worship you. We do. We pray these in faith in the name of Jesus. Amen. So where do we praise? That's the first question that we're going to talk about is where do we praise? Verse 1 speaks of praising the Lord in two places. And what's very interesting is never once does it say praise the Lord by yourself. What does it say? It says praise the Lord in the council of the upright and in the assembly. Two different things. The council or company of the upright and in the assembly. The first phrase speaks of a close circle of friends, the the company of the upright. This talks about a group of people who share sweet, intimate fellowship together. It's a group of friends who communicate well together. Here, Here at CLF, we call them one another groups. They're small groups of people who live life together. We see what this looks like in Acts chapter four, uh, 2, verse 42, in the early church, that they broke bread with one another. They, they went from home to home, sharing everything they had. This is a group of people who are truly living life together. And when they get together, what do they do? They praise the Lord. That's what they do. So we are to praise God in small groups, in, 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 through a company of people who we're living life closely together with. Not individual, but in a small group of people. And the second thing it says, it says in the assembly. 
in the assembly. This speaks of a much larger group of people. It's translated in other places as congregation or company or multitude. The implication here is there is an appointed time and a place where and a purpose for the meeting together of a large group of people. It is more organized. It's more structured. It is more intentional. Whereas the company of the upright is much more it's much more organic. It's people truly just getting together, uh, living life, you know, having dinner over one another, and they just break out into a praise and a worship of God together. Man, you know, have you ever sat down with a meal for close friends and you just started sharing about the goodness of God? Man, check out what God did for us this week. And you start talking about all the things that God has done in your life, done in your marriage. Man, we were having a fight and God just intervened this way. He showed me what I was doing wrong. At least, you know, that's usually how it works in my house, what I did wrong. And so, have you ever just had those times in a small group of people? But we are also told that we're to worship in an assembly. So where do we praise God? First of all, and understand this, both sets. We praise God when we come together. Gather together, not individuals. You know, a lot of popular opinion today talk about the the not really needing of church. I believe too many people understand there's nobody behind me. There's nobody in the seats here. So understand that I I get right now we're having to do this online church thing. I, I understand it. But this is not truly how you build and grow a church. This is truly not how we're commanded to live life and worship God. We're called to do it in a community together. We're called to do it in small groups, in an organic fashion, living life with one another. Then we're called to come together in a corporate body and worship God together. Matthew 8, 18, 20 says, For where two or three have come together in our name, there I am with them. Hebrews 10, 25 says, Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And I'll be honest with you, this separation is driving the leaders of your church crazy. Because we know this is not God's design for the church long term. We know this. We're all doing the best we can given the situations. But understand, like God's plan and design is for us to gather together in worship and praise of Him. That's what we're called to do. Don't forsake that. Don't give it up. That's how and where we praise. That's where we praise is we do it together in together. So maybe we can't have these corporate meetings right now, but you can do it in your home. Maybe it's inviting people into your house and having dinner or small groups, going out, keeping your distance from one another, but spending time maybe in a park just worshiping and praising God together because we are called and designed to praise God together. So how do we praise God? Well, verse 1 says, I praise with all my heart. There can, praise has no restraints, no restrictions, no reservations. Praise for God, for God involves every aspect of life. Physical, spiritual, mental, emotional. Praise involves the use of our bodies, our minds, our spirit in actively honor of God. With our mouths we speak and we sing praise. With our hands we clap, we raise our hands, we worship God. With our bodies, with our minds we ponder, we meditate, we think of the praises of God. We talk, the Word talks about meditating on his, on his Word, meditating on His good works, even day and night. My heart meditates on the Word of God. This praising and honoring God for who He is and for what He's done does not simply happen in a corporate worship when we sing a song. 
but it involves and encapsulates our entire being, our entire body, every aspect of who we are created. Body, mind, soul, spirit, have all been designed together to worship God. Matthew twenty two thirty 30 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. God deserves all of our praise, not simply a song on Sunday morning. He deserves our praise and the way we think, what we fill our minds with. The, the shows that we're watching on TV are the things that we're allowing into our minds, praising and glorifying God. It's the words that we speak to our spouses, honoring and praising God. Are, are the ways that we are using our bodies, are we stuffing our bodies with all kinds of disgusting food, making ourselves super unhealthy, or are we praising God using the body and the physical body that he's given us? I hope that makes sense because God doesn't just want your songs praise on Sunday morning. He wants your entire life. Our work, when we go to work, the work ethic in which we work at our jobs or our businesses, our worship before our Heavenly Father, are the lives we're living, are we fully, how do we praise? We, we praise God in every aspect of our being, our body, our mind, our spirit, our work, our marriage, our friendships, any and every aspect of who we are as people. We are called to worship God. We are called to praise the name of God and the name of Jesus. Why? Because the word tells us there's no other name. Acts 4.12, there's no other name in which in all of heaven or on earth that people can call upon to save them. There is no other name worthy of our praise and our worship. Only the name of Jesus. So that is how we praise. We praise him with our whole heart. What do we praise? What is praise? What is praise? Verse 1 says, I will extol the Lord. What does that mean? It means I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. See, the Hebrew word translated extol means to praise and give thanks. There are these two words that are constantly woven together in God's word of praise and thanks. It is impossible to separate the idea of praise and thanks. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will in, for you in Christ Jesus. Praise is more than simply saying a few words of thanksgiving or even lifting up our hands in, in, in the goodness of who God is. Praise is a choice. Praise is a decision that we make. It's a heart decision and it is a decision to recognize, to recognize who God is, what He has done. And it's a choice to put Him above ourself. That's what praise is. It is lifting up God and humbling ourself. Part of the whole idea of thanksgiving is understanding that what we have been given, what we have received, the life that we have whether it's our marriage, whether it's our salvation, whether it's our sobriety, whether it's our freedom, whether it's the country we live in, none of those things happen simply because we deserve them or we worked hard at them. We have to understand there is a God who is sovereign, who is at work. The word says every good thing that it comes down from the, heaven, or from the uh, Father of heavenly lights, like every good thing that we experience and have is because God has given us to it. By his grace, everything that we have is from him. So if we have a lack of thanksgiving in our life, it's probably because we have a lack of appreciation and understanding of who God is. We think too much of highly of ourselves and too lowly of who God is. 
And as we reverse those two and live God higher and humble ourselves, the more at peace, the more of, of the true joy and the fullness of the life God offers us, we will experience. We praise because God is worthy and because of what he has done in our life. That's why we praise. Verse 2 through 7 tells us we praise God for these primary two reasons. First, we praise him for all he's done. Second, we praise him for all he is. Verse 2 says, great are the works of the Lord. God faithfully meets our needs, material, emotional, spiritual needs of his people every single day. From the food on our tables to the peace in our hearts, God provides it all. There's nothing that God provides that we don't truly need. Sometimes he does give us gifts, but there's no need that goes by that God does not provide for you. It doesn't happen. You may not have everything you you want, but you have everything you need because that's God's promise to his children. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He will meet your needs. Now, you and God's definition of needs are probably very different, but he has promised he will meet all of your needs. But we also praise God for who he is. Verse 3 says, his righteousness, his righteousness, that's who God is. His righteousness endures forever. Verse 4 says, the Lord is gracious and compassionate. Man, may, may, may we be known, as his people be known, as gracious and compassionate. May our Facebook posts be known as gracious and compassionate. Because that's who God is, and that's who we're supposed to be reflecting. Verse 5 says, he remembers his covenant forever. Verse 7 says, all his precepts are trustworthy. We praise God for who he is. Psalm 89, 6-8 says, for who in all of heaven can compare with the Lord? Who in all of heaven can compare with the Lord? What mightiest angel is anything like the Lord? The highest angelic powers stand in awe of God. He is far more awesome than those who surround his throne. O Lord God Almighty, where is there anyone as mighty as you, Lord? Faithfulness is your character. If you have a disconnect or a dryness in your praise of our God, could it be that you have simply lost sight of who he is and what he has done for you? There are many times that when I experience a dryness, it's usually when my arrogance and my pride are at a high level. And many times when we feel like God is distant, one of two things is happening. Either he is testing our faith, seeing if we're going to be faithful in that dryness, or he is pulling himself back because we have gotten a little too confident in our own power and a little too uh, self-absorbed thinking what we have is because of us. And when we start to go back to Psalm 111, and it's so beautiful, you know, it's just, read it. Great are the works of the Lord. They are studied by all who delight in them. First of all, they are studied. So if you study the works of God, it says in verse 111, they are studied by all who delight in them. Splendid and majestic is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has made the wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He has given food to those who fear him. He will remember his covenant forever. He has made known to the people. Like, this is the God that we're serving. And I'm telling you, if sometimes we experience a dryness and a lacking in our relationship with Jesus because we have lost sight of who God is. 
And we need a revival inside of our minds and our spirits that remind us of who our God is, what He has done. This is the God who made all of creation, but He chose to love you. Why? Because He chose to. Ephesians tells us this has nothing to do with you. It's simply because He chose you. And He chose me. It is only by the grace of God I can celebrate 12 years of marriage today. I'm in an under no delusion thinking that is simply because of how good I am. <laughs> I don't know, my wife's laughing at home. Because it's not about us. It's about the simple fact that we are two people surrendering our lives before God and allowing him to make us more like Jesus. We have 12 years because of the grace of God, not simply because we're good enough. And, and, and understand, you may have sobriety today. It's not because you've worked simply really hard. It's because the God has been working in you and through you. You may have that outstanding job because God is the one who gave you the talents and the thinking in order to do that good job. Your business may be booming because God has given you the thinking and the opportunity and the favor of God in you. We are nothing without God. Psalm 51.17 says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Knowing God's word is essential. You have to understand that. First of all, we have to know God. Verse 2, they are studied by all who delight in them. We're talking about the works of the Lord. How do we know the works of the Lord? We study them. We dig into his word and we find out who the God we're serving is. There's a great companion book that comes along the word of God called The Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. And I'm telling you this, it is probably the most referenced book by the spiritual mentors in my life that have made a biggest impact in their life. They always talk about that book. So I encourage you, if you haven't read that, that's a great companion to God's word. Understand, this is the word of God, not any other book. But this is where we discover who God is. And me and you, our part is to choose to praise Him in spirit and in truth. To thank Him truly, faithfully, daily for everything that He has done. What does the word say? We just read it. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Have you ever asked that question? What's God's will for me? As a pastor, I can tell you, that, that is a question that has uh, come up a few times over the past you know, 15 years in ministry. And uh, pretty simple. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is, your, this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Are we people that are marked by thanksgiving? Are we marked by contrite heart of humbleness, of compassion and graciousness? This is truly who we are called to be. Ephesians 2 is a wonderful reminder. If you haven't sat down and just read Ephesians 2 line by line, I encourage you today. This is a great practice. As you spend time in God's Word, uh, praising through and studying Psalm 111, turn with your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, read, read through Psalm 111. Here's your homework. Here's your challenge today. Read through Psalm 111. Flip over to Ephesians chapter 2. Read Ephesians chapter 2. And then flip back to Psalm 111. And just hear what God has done for you. Who God is. Because the God whom we worship is not simply a God who is in a book. This is God's breath and His words to you and to me. And He is a God 
who is worthy of all of our worship and all of our praise. And in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of your rough circumstances, no matter what you're facing today, you can have confidence in the God who is in Psalm 111 saying, I am gracious, I am compassionate, I give food for those, I remember my covenant, all his precepts are sure, they are upheld forever. Like this is the God in whom you can rely on and trust in and give praise and honor and glory forever because he is worthy for who he is and what he's done. And I want to close with the last chapter, or the last verse of Psalm 111, because I think it's super important, and we cannot miss it this morning. Psalm 111, verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good, underst- uh, a good understanding have all those who do His commandments. His praise endures forever. If you want to be wise, it's not about learning what the culture, the movement of the culture, and going with it and trying to figure out how to be most effective in that. The fear of the Lord is truly the beginning of wisdom. Do we have a fear of who God is? The New Testament talks about don't fear the one who can hurt your body and not touch your soul, but fear the one who can do, cast your body and soul into hell for all eternity. Like, fear that one. So we need to understand, like, praise comes from a true fear of the Lord. And this isn't fear like I'm terrified and I'm scared and I'm having panic attacks. This is a holy reverence of who he is saying, oh my, how on earth can this God that I read about in Psalm 111 love me? (laughs) Doesn't he know how messed up I am? Doesn't he know how screwed up and how, I mean, just absolute disgusting that I am? Yes, he knows. And that's why he sent his son Jesus for you. Because he loves you. But that holy reverence and fear of who God is truly puts us in the mindset and in the spirit that God can use for his glory And to bring others into a real loving relationship with Jesus. A saving, life-altering, free relationship with Jesus. But if we're so stuck thinking that this life is about us, or this life that we have is the result of how good we are, we're missing the point. Or if our religious traditions of singing a song on Sunday morning, and that's where the praise ends, is Sunday morning when the sermon starts, then we're missing the point. And we're missing what God has called and commanded us to do in praising Him and living a life fully in worship and in praise to Him. All aspects of who we are. But it all begins with an understanding, a good understanding. Have all those who do His commandments. It's about having a clear understanding of who God is and who He's revealed Himself to be in His Word. And then we obey His commandments. That is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And if you're missing those aspects, if you're dry, if you feel like the religiosity and the the religious traditions have failed you, maybe it's perhaps because you've lost the meaning and that fear of who God is behind it. And I encourage you today, dig into his word. Read Psalm 111, then flip over and read Ephesians chapter 2 and read what the truth of Jesus, what he did for me and you. And then come back to Psalm 111 and just praise God for line by line. Thank you, God, for how great the works are. Thank you, God, that your righteousness endures forever. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you have given food to those who fear you. 
May the word of God change our hearts and our minds so that every aspect of who we are is in true praise and honor and glory to God. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. God, I, I could spend all morning thanking you for all the different aspects of who you are, your justice, your love, your faithfulness, your goodness. God, it goes on and on and on. And I thank you for the worry you have revealed yourself to us in your word. And I pray that, God, as we as your people will begin living lives, not simply on a Sunday morning praising you, but in every aspect of who we are, truly lifting our lives and lifting our hearts, lifting our minds and our spirits before you, thanking you for who you are, praising you for who you are and all that you have done in our lives, for the salvation that you have given us freely, for the death and resurrection of Christ, God, for the, the freedom that we have found in Christ, for the peace that we have, for the hope that we have beyond this life. It is only found in Christ Jesus. God, we thank you and we praise you today. Ignite a revival in our minds, in our spirits, and in our hearts, God, to live lives of praise and thanksgiving before you. We thank you for who you are. Thank you that you love us enough to speak to us through your word. God, change our lives and our hearts and make us more like Jesus. We thank you, Lord God. We lift up Pastor Mark this morning, God. We pray healing over this foot, healing over his body this morning. As he's at the doctor even right now, you bring healing. You reduce the swelling. You take away the pain and be healed in the name of Jesus. We join together as one fellowship and one body, lifting up our pastor, our shepherd before you, praying for healing in the name of Jesus. We believe and we pray these things in faith in the name of Jesus. Your will be done. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.